Welcome to the latest episode of the Cardiovascular Digital Health Podcast, where we interview academics and entrepreneurs at the front lines of digital health. My name is Dr. Hamid Gumbari, and I am the Deputy Editor of the Cardiovascular Digital Health Journal. If you like this episode and would like to support our work, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review, and visit our website, the Cardiovascular Digital Health Journal. Welcome to the latest edition of the Cardiovascular Digital Health uh, Podcast. Um, I have uh, my guest today is Dr. James Sarudi, and we're very excited to talk about a really interesting uh, paper and a story. Uh, the paper is called VP Exam Virtual Care for Heart Failure, Optimizing Transitions of Care Quality Improvement Project. Uh, welcome, Dr. Sarudi. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for spending your um, evening with us. Um, just as a background, if you could tell our audience a little bit about yourself, um, what, kind, what do you are, what does your days mostly look like, and how you spend your day, and maybe set the stage for us a little bit about how you started thinking about this problem. <clears throat> yeah. So my day job is I'm an invasive cardiologist with University Hospitals of Cleveland, Harrington Heart and Vascular Institute. Um, but over the last several years, I've been increasingly interested in digital innovation. And even back as a fellow, I was interacting with the National Science Foundation, trying to get support for developing innovative technology. Um, even at that point, I saw a lot of potential for telemedicine that wasn't being utilized. And it really it wasn't until COVID that it's become more and more mainstream. Uh, our company that I created after receiving uh, funding from the National Science Foundation is Telehealthcare Solutions. I really wanted to address some of the problems that I saw throughout medicine, but really in cardiology, getting a focus. And our virtual physical exam platform, especially uh, during COVID and the transition to more digital care, has been the biggest opportunity to kind of improve upon our heart failure management and our transition of care management. And you know, I think most of us uh, can sympathize with patients who are having a lot of difficulties being discharged from the hospital. You know, it's a common problem. And there's a thousand different ways to try to address it. Uh, but the patients going to home care and the skilled nursing facilities, I really thought this technology that we've developed uh, with National Science Foundation grant funding and also University Hospitals of Cleveland funding was really an opportunity. And uh, this paper that's going to press kind of uh, goes into how you can create a quality improvement project and look for some of the harder outcomes uh, around this kind of technology. No, no, it's it's very interesting, and I want to commend you for you know being a physician entrepreneur, but also really thinking about how to create evidence to show other people, you know, you know, using this particular technology actually improves outcomes. So, um, if we could maybe um, talk a little bit about the platform and the experiment that you set out, and, uh, and particularly thinking about some of the outcomes. Um, that you were thinking about when designing the experiment. Yeah, that sounds good. So there's a lot of telemedicine out there. And my original hypothesis was telemedicine is great, but especially in cardiology without the physical exam, we're re really missing a lot. And, you know, normal telemedicine, I always say, is good for 
well visits and people who are doing well, but the people who are decompensating, I think we, we feel like we're missing a lot. Um, so the core of what VP exam does is it takes an untrained person, and it could be a nurse, it could be a medical assistant, it could be the patient or their family member, and uses a combination of augmented reality overlays like wireframes and sample videos with audio instructions on how to perform a physical exam using an app. So you can download that pretty much on a tablet or smartphone, uh, Apple, Google. And then you can use that and it will walk them through what the physician has customized as their own physical exam. So for our heart failure patients, there's a lot of um, focus on jugular venous distension, positioning the patient appropriately to analyze that, putting them in the right position and the right incline to look at that and make that a useful uh, clinical piece of information, but also looking at lower extremity edema, applying pressure, and looking for how that's changing uh, throughout the physical exam. We also develop partnerships with some of the higher yield um, Bluetooth devices. Um, we use an Echo Health stethoscope. In the past, we've also worked with Litman 3M, who's one of the bigger stethoscope manufacturers. So it can perform a high quality FDA approved uh, auscultation of the heart and lungs, which is great for you know murmurs, rubs, uh, crackles, bronchi, wheezing, all the things we're looking for, but also has a single EDKG at the same time. So it's transmitting, you know, we can tell is the patient in atrial fibrillation or not. Um, and we think that's fairly helpful. So we're getting kind of the core physical exam that we expect when we see the patient at bedside. And we're bringing that into the telemedicine platform. And one of the other keys was making it efficient. So I've worked in systems where we had a big $100,000 platform and you had to talk the nurse through step-by-step step what to do with the platform, where to position the stethoscope, where to position the cameras. And that becomes a real time drain. You know, a physical exam that might take us a minute to two in the clinic was taking me 10, 15 minutes. So really offloading that work to the platform to make it easier and more efficient so the nurse can do this in three, four, five minutes prior to connecting to a real-time video conference. And the concept is that's what makes reviewing the physical exam more like the way we read echocardiography. You can just click through, see the images, listen to the heart and lung exam, that we can do it in 30 seconds to a minute because we're all pushing or pushed to be more clinically efficient. So I think that's a pretty big component of the platform. There's also the other side of the platform beyond the physical exam, and that's more structured data transmission. So a lot of the times when we're doing a follow-up visit, we don't do a good medication reconciliation. We don't do a good review of systems. And the platform has that built into it. So the nurse and the patient ahead of time can take pictures of pill bottles or can type in their whole medication reconciliation, can also do a full review of systems. And that is adding really a lot to the data that we get. Uh, the only other side of it beyond the structured data system is a remote patient monitoring RPM, which, you know, there's increasing interest in that side of the technology. And that was one of the things we added over the last year, um, seeing that that's going to be an increasingly important tool is remote patient monitoring. And the concept there is that you can pull in patients' Bluetooth devices, their smartwatches, their blood pressure cuffs, their scales, and you can look for things like, hey, the patient's gained three to four pounds, or their blood pressure's out of control and that's gonna decompensate their heart failure, or their smartwatch has captured atrial fibrillation, we wanna know about that. So this platform also can transmit all of that data as a trigger to sending a home care nurse out to the patient's home or into the nursing home 
to do a VP exam encounter where we get the full physical exam and everything like that. So the platform is using remote patient monitoring as a trigger to do a higher level virtual care kind of examination. So the combination of tools actually, um, the sum is greater than the, the pieces and the outcomes we're kind of looking at. Because you can have all these great tools, but if they're not working well together, I don't think you can see the outcomes. Um, and th so that's kind of the technology we started with. Um, happy to take any questions. It's really impressive. Um, it's comprehensive. It's tailored uh, to the particular condition and particular physician. Um, so maybe like, so trying to understand the system a little bit better. So the way it would work is that a clinician uh, would set up what they would want to see for a particular exam or based on the condition that they're dealing with. In this particular case, heart failure, or it could be atrial fibrillation, it could be, you know, a cancer patient who's being seen. And then based on that, there is a set of um, preset uh, examinations that you obtain using wearable devices that can just be ported into the platform and presented to the physician. So I imagine that that's all done before the visit, correct? Yes. So really that's what the app side of things is doing is neatly organizing all the data for the physician ahead of time. So when you get an email notification or a text message notification that a patient's logging in, all that data is ready for you. And then if you have um, a low, lower trained person like a home care nurse who's brought the stethoscope with them, then you also get the full physical exam that they've performed. But you know, I think you hit on one of the important things, which is this is customized to each physician. There's no um, physical exam that's the same for everybody. So if you... Uh, or maybe a nephrologist and you don't care about, um, you know, a four-point heart exam, you can cut that down. You can remove the lung exam. So through the portal, you can actually customize physical exams and what parts of the data you want. I mean, I think we all suffer from data overload. So one of the concepts is I don't want to bombard the physicians or the nurse practitioners with data they don't actually want or need. And I also don't want to waste the nurse's time or the patient's time going through steps of a physical exam that are not going to be important to them. So for the pilot, we chose a heart failure customized physical exam, but we do work with nephrologists and pulmonologists and they tailor their physical exam that goes into the app to what they need. And as far as the wearable devices that you use, uh, are those mostly the ones that are commercially available and are FDA cleared? Yes. So really, we're tying into HealthKit data, which uh, Apple and Google Fit, they're very good at tying into all the consumer-grade uh, wearable, wearables that have FDA approval. So we're actually using that as our center point, and then we're pulling it. So that gives us a very large number of wearables. For the physical exam, we focus on a handful of uh, stethoscopes and EKG devices that give us a full physical exam. The augmented reality is just walking the user through how to position cameras appropriately and sample videos that show them how the patient should be positioned. So that just makes it more user-friendly, um, but it's kind of that combination of equipment. So it's really pretty broad. Um, you know, uh, we can find pulse oximeters that are $15, $20 and scales that are $50 to $60 that are fairly inexpensive and patients can use in their own home. 
And then the app is pulling all of that into their virtual care encounter and sending it to the physician to review. Excellent. So can you tell me about the pilot that you just completed? What did you find? What was surprising about your findings? Yeah, yeah happy to talk about it. Um, so it was kind of an ambitious project, especially kind of in some of the darker days of COVID. And we knew that the first question is, well, do you really need physical exam data to take care of these patients? And that's kind of the core. Did the physical exam data really alter the way that we manage patients? Now, we've also picked patients that we thought physical exam data is going to be more important, and those are heart failure patients. So we picked a fairly specific inclusion criteria for inpatients who are hospitalized for heart failure decompensation, both with reduced and preserved ejection fraction. And we knew that they were either going to go to a skilled nursing facility or were eligible for home care, which most heart failure patients are eligible for home care, um, just given the requirements that are there. So we chose them and then we try to make a very routine seven to 14 day follow-up visit. And I think that's where patients frequently can fall through the cracks, especially during COVID, especially in overstrained hospital systems is we are unable to see these patients soon enough. And that's when we're missing earlier signs of clinical decompensation that the physical exam can pick up but we're also missing medication reconciliations um, and those kind of problems that occur early on. It can be, um, you know, the linchpin to a patient getting readmitted to the hospital. So the real focus of the pilot was a looking at the degree at which different parts of the physical exam are modifying care. So we pretty much analyzed all of our encounters for which components of the physical exam ended up in changes in medications, diuretic. Uh, vasodilators and things like that. And there was a fairly significant proportion, 84% of the encounters had at least a moderate significant modification, which means we at least changed medications. We didn't just log in, say everything's good and log back off. And the assessment of JVP and edema changed management about 47% of the cases. The cardiopulmonary auscultation was about 33% of the time. ECG, looking for is the patient in AFib or not, was about 14% of the time we've altered care, usually detecting the patients have gone back into AFib and things like that. But the one that really, again and again, was really changing management was this structured data transmission concept where you're scanning in medication reconciliation, the med list they were supposed to be discharged on, what they're actually taking, but you can also transmit EKGs and things like that from their skilled nursing facility. And that was really tied to over 95% of the time, um, a modification in care. And, you know, it, it was kind of shocking how often uh, different problems were occurring, with medication reconciliation probably being one of the largest. Um, so that, that was the biggest one. And we, we thought that would be the lower hanging fruit. But we also had secondary outcomes like 30-day hospital readmission rates. And... These were actually some of the sicker heart failure patients. And we looked at our hospital system's baseline readmission data. And when we looked at our, our hospitals that were involved, it was sitting around 15 to 16% prior to initiation of this VP exam platform. And then it 
pretty significantly reduced our 30-day readmission rate to 9.5%. So a fairly significant um, decrease. I actually, in the paper going to publication, we actually showed our hospital system charting the readmission rate. And if you look, the first two months, not much of a change, but by the fourth, fifth, and sixth month, we've actually brought the heart failure readmission rate down to 0%. So I think that was a fairly strong indicator, even though we weren't using it on all of our heart failure patients, we were successfully using it on some of our sickest heart failure patients. And that really had a fairly significant um, outcome. The other thing that we did see was a fairly significant impact on our 30-day mortality rate, which really is not something we expected. We expected to definitely change care with the platform, probably reduce readmissions, which we've seen in some smaller pilots previously. But our um, 30-day mortality rate dropped to 4.76%. So that, that's a fairly significant reduction. And we went out further and followed them to 90 days. It starts to go back to what we would expect. Um, but we do think that this closer follow-up with a lot more clinical data um, certainly is starting to show the potential for an improvement in 30-day mortality as well. This is um, very provocative and promising. It's an area that a lot of people are trying to solve this particular problem, and no one's been able to crack this. Um, so this is really tremendous work. I want to congratulate you on, on, on this work and these, these findings. Um, are you planning to validate this in a larger uh, cohort of patients? So. Yes, I, I appreciate uh, you saying that. And um, yes, yeah, so we're, we're coordinating University Hospitals of Cleveland. We have a post-acute care quality network of over 50 skilled nursing facilities. So we're working with leadership there to expand this to a significantly larger pilot. And University Hospitals of Cleveland has its own home care agency. So we've actually already deployed to over 550 devices across this home care agency. So we're looking to expand uh, other hospital systems. Uh, University Hospitals is a fairly large ACO. So there's a lot of good opportunities. We actually have quite a few of our hospitals in more rural areas. But we're always looking for uh, additional clinical partners. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing is this platform and telehealth care solutions, which is the parent company, uh, I founded it. And uh, I'm always looking for colleagues and other health systems who are looking to, you know, try innovative uh, platforms like this to try to improve care. So always happy for people to reach out to me, which, which has been happening a little bit more the last couple of months. No, I can certainly imagine a lot of people that are listening to this are would be interested in deploying a, a software like yours. Uh, it's a problem that we all deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. So um, that would be really in, super interesting. I think particularly if, if there was a pragmatic trial, a large pragmatic trial that could evaluate this against, um, you know, our traditional therapies and and, and to see if this, you know, the remarkable findings that you have in, in your pilot kind of hold out in a larger population, that would be, you know, significant improvement in in the care of patients with heart failure. Now, um, are you thinking of doing this in other medical conditions as well? Heart failure, heart failure certainly is where you're starting out, but, you know, I, I'm an electrophysiologist, so it's, um, it sounds like it would be perfect for AF type or arrhythmias, but what about other conditions? 
Yeah. Um, yes, we, we've been um, collaborating with different physician groups. I mean, definitely in cardiology, uh, post-cabbage and post-MI follow-up, we've seen a lot of interest. Uh, peripheral arterial disease, wound care follow-up, we've seen a significant interest. Uh, pulmonology um, has a pretty significant problem. I mean, a lot of patients, both COPD and pneumonias, some of the largest readmission rates. And, you know, it's really where the physical exam plays a key. And some of what you can detect by auscultation of the lungs actually can make pretty significant changes in the way you manage care. So I think pulmonology is a big uh, potential. Uh, probably the third specialty that we're working along with is nephrology, you know, where volume status is very important. So essentially, the specialties who really care about the physical exam really care about uh, volume status. I mean, the truth is a lot of primary care physicians care deeply. I mean, I, I never want to offend a internal medicine, family medicine, any primary care physician by acting like they don't carefully assess the same things that we're looking at in cardiology. I think they, they do a great job. And actually, that's where we've had some of our biggest champions are actually primary care physicians. And you know, some of them have utilized this more for a concierge medicine kind of model, which not really what we created it for, but uh, it, it does work well. Um, to give a lot higher understanding of what's going on with patients when you're seeing them via telemedicine. Um, yeah, and I, I think it also gives the opportunity to really standardize the physical exam as well, right? Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the physical exam, unfortunately, has been slowly dying. <laughs> and I have worked um, on the educational side of things and I'm a clinical assistant professor with uh, Case Western Reserve, but working to use this more as also as an educational tool. So I think it's a great way when you detect a really abnormal murmur or kind of one of those zebra kind of cases that we can capture it with the patient's permission. We can use that to train the next generation of physicians because as nice as echocardiography is, the, uh, the efficiency and the cost effectiveness of a stethoscope for detecting a lot of problems um, definitely makes it a, a more appropriate tool in a number of circumstances. Fantastic. Um, I'm, you know, this, this, this is very impressive. And I, I want to maybe, you know, think a little bit, you know, I talk to you a little bit about um, how you manage to do everything here. I mean, you're, you're a very busy clinician. Um, you're a clinical a clinician, you're an educator, and you're an entrepreneur. So how do you go about organizing your day? How do you get so much done in such a short amount of time? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that. I had a mentor when I was in residency, and he used to say you have to wake up at like 4 a.m. and just start working, you know, before the family wakes up and is going to take your time and your patients and everybody else. Uh, I'm a bit of a night owl, and I'm not uncommonly working on refining software for, until 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning if I have to. Uh, but, I mean, the truth is I think you've got to push for things you're passionate about. It definitely helps uh, to use resources available. I mean, the National Science Foundation has a lot of great resources. I think that getting that support early on in your career gives you a higher level of confidence. And, you know, as a physician entrepreneur, you've just really got to be resilient, you know. Unfortunately, the two don't usually go together. Physicians, we have a certain mentality and you've kind of, uh, 
as an entrepreneur, got to go in another direction. Sometimes you got to feel like a, a salesman when you have to. And if that's, that's what you have to do to fight for the concepts and the things that you want to get out there to help change clinical care. That's just kind of what you've got to do. Um, so you've got to be ready to have a lot of uh, doors slammed in your face before you find the right one that's going to open for you. Um, so I think perseverance is probably the biggest thing. I mean, there's a lot of clinical researchers who have to do similar things, uh, but it is kind of a different learning curve when you're looking at innovation and entrepreneurship. Yeah, that, that is a wonderful, well said summer. I, I'm really excited about uh, this, this uh, work. And I think that this is going to be something that's really going to be affecting our clinical care and, and it wouldn't be surprising that it becomes part of you know our every, everyday uh, clinical care. So I want to congratulate you, and I want to thank you for spending uh, the time with me and our audience. We're so excited to hear the next steps um, for you and your team. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, and uh, we appreciate the opportunity to discuss everything.